Welcome to the Red Eye Stories podcast. As you may or may not be aware, it's Anchorites Appreciate Arneson Month. And I've got to admit, I don't know a great deal about Dave Arneson myself, but it's Triple A Month, so we're going to be coming at you like a tiny battery full of RPG goodness. But before we get down to that, I'm going to answer a few call-ins, so take it away. Hey, John, it's Whisk. All right, so books. You know what? I don't game, but I do have cookery books, and I like when they lay flat. Same with journals. I just like when they lay flat. As far as landscape, I'm looking at my shelf right now, and I have an Alton Brown book, and it's, it's I'm holding it right now, it's an odd size, and it doesn't quite fit in with the rest of the books on the shelf. And then the other thing is I have a, a book stand. So when I'm learning from someone or studying from someone, I'll put it on the book stand. And this one does fit, but it just comes it comes out a bit where the other ones, most of the other ones stay in. But, you know, I don't mind it. I still like the book because it does lay flat for me, so I like that. But it definitely takes up more room than the others when I'm studying something or learning a new formula or something like that. Anyway, happy weekend. Whisk out. Hi Ivy, thanks very much for the call in. Yeah, I entirely agree. The sort of irregularly shaped or odd shaped books, they're more difficult to fit on the table. I mean, I've lost count of the times I've had like a bit of a weird shaped book and I've been reaching over to get something during like one of my online games and I've just caught the edge of it with my elbow and like knocked it off the table. Then you have to rummage around to like pick it up and all the while you're doing that, you're not really engaging with the game. Also, yeah, I like a book that lies flat that I can have it on my little table next to me while I'm gaming. and I don't have to worry about pages flipping over or not putting multiple bookmarks in it or anything like that. Thanks very much for the call again, Ivy. So let's see who we've got next on the list. Hey, John. Jason here from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. So I have solutions for your landscape book problems. Make sure your sarcasm meter is set properly. So when they're in your bookshelf... You just get yourself a piece of paper and you you know you fold it so it's you you know you have uh, you, you you fold it so it fits around the book right so so when you're looking at it instead of seeing the edge of the pages you're seeing that piece of paper and then you write the title of the book there on the side and then when you look at it you're seeing the title when you pull the book out that piece of paper that you got folded around the side of the book comes out and then you just put it back when you put it back as far as laying flat, well, you take those soft cover landscape books and you cut the spine off and you spiral bound them. And once they're spiral bound, all your problems go away. Problem solved. And John, like I say, I'm, I'm kind of pulling your leg. Your, your points are valid, but I'm, I'm just kind of messing with you by giving those answers. I'm not trying to piss you off. But anyhow, or I'm, well, piss means something else over there, doesn't it? I'm not telling you to take a piss. Wait, that doesn't work either. Piss means get drunk over there, doesn't it? Anyway, you know what I'm saying. I'm just messing with you. So have a good day, sir. Thanks for that, Jason. And yeah, don't worry about it, dude. I fully got that you were sort of pulling my leg and sort of messing about a bit. I mean, I'm an English person. Sarcasm's like our second language over here. We're well acquainted with it. And as for the word piss, it has numerous different subtle inflections and meanings over here. We can say to get pissed, you know, getting drunk, as you'd say, obviously going for a piss, or as you rightly said, correct use of it, 
taking the piss, just having a bit of a laugh in general, japery. Although I've got to admit, to be honest, I did. Although I got that you were just joking, I did find myself thinking when you were talking about putting like paper labels around things, going, "Do you know what? Actually, that, that could just about work." So you never know. Maybe there's something in there, but I'm hoping that not too many sort of manufacturers will go down that horrendous and thrice damned landscape route. But thanks very much for the call-ins, Jason. Take care, and I'll catch you soon. Right, let's see who we've got a message from next. Dude, I could not agree with you more when it comes to landscape books. Don't like them. Can't use them at the table. Hard to read, honestly, when you're sitting in a chair. The only thing they're good for is sitting at a table and splaying them open and maybe looking at the art. It's an interesting format, but it's not a usable format, and it's not a gamer-friendly format. I held that John Carter of Mars book at Gen Con. They had a sample copy out. I was interested because I like that fiction. I like the setting. And I've always been uh, waiting for somebody to do something really interesting with it. I picked up the book, flipped a couple pages, accidentally bent one right off the bat because it's so awkward to hold in the hand. And then I felt guilty about bending it, even though it was a sample copy. And uh, and then I, my second thought was, well, if I buy a copy, that's what's going to happen to my copy. And I was gone. It just turned me off almost immediately. So, yeah, not a good format. That was Ray Otis from the Plundergrounds podcast. And if you're not listening to that podcast, what are you doing with your life? Thank you very much for the message, Ray. Yeah, I've got to agree with you about the the John Carter of Mars book. It's a beautiful book. But to be honest, when it comes down to actual usability, it pretty much falls at the first hurdle. And in fact... If it comes to sort of John Carter-esque sort of hijinks, I vastly prefer Warriors of the Red Planet from Night Owl Workshop, which is a hell of a lot cheaper as well. I mean, for like $19 on drive through you can get the PDF and the softcover black and white book. And it's an old school sort of D&D clone, which adds in a bit of that John Carter vibe. And in my mind, it's far more usable than the Modifius book. So thank you very much for your call in, Ray. Hope to catch up with you soon. Take care. Okay, I think we've got one final message. Hi, John. Pete here. Yeah, I have to agree with you about the landscape books. They are a real pain in the arse on the bookshelf. However... The only good thing about landscape is for cheat sheets. I often prefer having my cheat sheets in landscape as it uh, fits on the table nicely in front of me in just one page. But a book? Nah, you can keep it. That's Pete Jones, a fellow delver in Cody Mazza's Barrow Maze game. Great to hear from you, Pete. Yeah, I think you make a very good point there. Cheat sheets... I do actually quite like in a landscape format, you know, especially if it's just like one sheet of A4, which is like like my cheat sheets. I don't want loads of them. Otherwise, hell, I may as well have a book. But yeah, you make a good point. Cheat sheets, I do quite like landscape. You can fit more stuff in like multiple columns on the page. So that's a very good point. So thank you very much for all those call-ins, everybody. Please keep the, the voicemails coming in. I really do enjoy listening and responding to those. But let's get on with the the main crux of the episode, which is Honest and Appreciation Month. 
Okay, so welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries podcast. And the Anchorites are doing an Anchorites Arneson Appreciation Month. Now, I made the joke when they were talking about it that I was going to call mine, I know arse all about Arneson. But when I think about it, I actually do know a bit just because I've like picked up a few bits and pieces here and there from the online role-playing community. But as I was thinking about it, it occurred to me that It'd be interesting because everyone's always saying, Oh, Arneson doesn't get talked about as much as Guy Vex. He's like the forgotten hero of like D&D and blah, blah, blah. I was thinking, well, how much of that is down to the fact that information was hard to come across back then, whereas now obviously we have the internet and stuff like that. So I thought it'd be interesting to find out how someone with fairly little to no knowledge of Arneson, how quickly they could find out stuff about them using just the internet and like a laptop or whatever. But I thought it wouldn't be very appropriate for me to do it since I do know a little bit about him. However, my wife Hannah has kindly volunteered to be the sort of test subject for this episode. So all I've done is I've told Hannah that Dave Anderson was involved in Dungeons & Dragons and I've given her the spelling of his name. So how much do you actually know about Dave Anderson to start with, love? Uh, Other than he was one of the original D&D people, nothing and I wouldn't have known that from his name if you'd not told me. Although, uh, when you said his name, I did Google it, and the first picture, yeah, I do recognise he's that, like, fat beard guy with the massive forehead and the dodgy specs. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're just going to see how quickly Hannah can find out a reasonable amount about Dave Arneson using just the internet. So, what are you going to do first? Well, you said you've like gone on to Google, although I should point out for balance reasons that other search engines are available. So, you've got into Google, you've typed in Dave Arneson. What are yeah. looking at? Uh, straight up, we've got his Wikipedia page come up. We've got a couple of things. Uh, Dave Arneson on Britannica.com, American inventor. Uh, of D&D and other games, including Chainmail. Oh, there you go. Uh, and then the cookies kick in. Oh, uh, oh, what are the driving factors in the falling out between... I'm assuming that's going to be Dave Arneson and Gary Gygax. Yeah, most likely the whole sort of like argument between them two is something that often gets flagged. Right, so there there was an argument between them then, I take it. Blackmore Castle, official website for Dave Arneson. Uh, Has a couple of obituaries. Although that doesn't surprise me because he's a couple of years older than my mum is. Okay, so where are you planning on going next? So just to let you know, Hannah's just typed in what's the story behind the D&D creation into Google. Geek and Sundry is the first thing to come up, uh, which describes Dave Arneson and Gary Gygax as a brace of Midwestern wizards, which amuses me. Uh, let's have a look at this story then. So yeah, you'll probably have to pause here and just give me a minute to read this, darling. So, apparently, 
Gary Gargax and Dave Arneson were both in the 60s and 70s part of the same like gaming group called the Castle and Crusade Society. Hey, Future John here. Just wanted to say that Gygax's gaming group being called the Castles and Crusades group is the reason why Troll Lord Games fantasy sort of D takeoff game using the Siege engine is called Castles and Crusades. Which seems to be like very early uh, war games stuff. And Gygax was working on a pre-D&D game called Chainmail, which I had never heard of until I started reading this. I just assumed it was like the early 2000s D&D war game Chainmail, um, which is one of these ones with like, you know, the plastic spiral bound cover. Um, straight off the photocopier priced at $5. Well, so that's that old school sort of fanzine <laughs> feeling. Which actually seems quite high for to me but then I suppose five dollars then was two pound fifty then quite possibly yeah. I've got about I'm not really up on the uh, the exchange rates of the 60s and 70s there's a lamentable lack of knowledge yeah. in my department in fact I'm not even sure if it would have been two pound fifty or if we were still on shillings at the time um, certainly some of this time we would have been future John here again According to Google, $5 in 1980 is roughly equivalent to about $14.56 in the year 2016, based on inflation rates. So, uh, they, so Arneson reads Chainmail Fantasy Rules and then like, takes them and improves on them and makes this game called Blackmore, which he takes down to Gary Gygax. Gygax loves it, uh, comes back with the Greyhawk campaign, and then they like work on refining it all, and they end up with D&D. And obviously we, and, we know sort of like Greyhawk's been used in like numerous versions of D&D, hasn't it? Well, yeah, it's it's the default D&D campaign world, isn't it? Yeah, certainly, certainly for... Certainly for th- version 3 and 3.5 I, I don't know about others um, I think it was like the Greyhawk gods were in the AD&D books uh, as like your default gods to look at for your cleric and there are a couple of other things that you'd now probably consider Greyhawk specific well I know a lot but, of the Greyhawk yeah. concepts got ported into a lot of other campaigns didn't they well yeah as I say because it's the default Everything that's in Greyhawk can be somewhere else as well, can't it? Mm-hmm. Um, money, arguments, lawsuits, him and Gargax had a fallout, Vampire came in and so did some other games and D&D wasn't like the prom queen anymore. Um yeah and then obviously TSR got bought out by wizards so yeah that's where this sort of 
thing finishes. Um, what else can we find out about him? Uh, right, what D&D &D stories? I should probably point out at this part of the podcast that if you hear a sound that sounds like someone licking themselves next to the microphone, <laughs> I assure you it's not myself or Hannah just really getting into the podcasting one of our cats, Mash, obviously slightly perturbed by the fact that we were paying the microphone all the attention and not giving him any, decided to plonk himself down right next to the microphone whilst we were recording and begin to clean himself as noisily as he possibly could. So that's what you're hearing. No need to panic. So uh, they... So Arneson reads chainmail fantasy rules and then like takes them and improves on them and makes this game called Blackmore, which he takes down to Gary Gygax. Gygax loves it, uh, comes back with the Greyhawk campaign and then they like work on refining it all and they end up with D&D. And obviously um, we, we know sort of like Greyhawk's been used in like numerous versions of D&D, hasn't it? Well, yeah, it's it's the default D and D campaign world, isn't it? Yeah, certainly, certainly for certainly for th version three and three point five. I, I don't know about others. Um, I think it was like the Greyhawk gods were in the A D and D books uh, as like your default gods to look at for your cleric, and there are a couple of other things that you'd now probably consider Greyhawk specific. Well, I know a lot but, of the Greyhawk yeah. concepts got ported into a lot of other campaigns, didn't they? Well, yeah, as I say, because it's the default. Everything that's in Greyhawk can be somewhere else as well, can't it? Mm -hmm. um, money, arguments, lawsuits, him and Gygax had a fallout, Vampire came in and so did some other games and D&D wasn't like the prom queen anymore um, yeah and then obviously TSR got bought out by wizards so yeah that's where this sort of thing finishes um, what else can we find out about him uh, right, what D&D &D stories? Did Dave Arneson... Right. Do, 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 do. Oh yeah, let's take a look at his... Um, biography on Wikipedia. Blackmore, D and D, and then after TSR, he did Dungeon Masters Index. Oh yeah, we had a copy of that, I think. Uh, yeah, because I believe um, I believe part of the the sub like the falling out was like when he was when it was like basic D and D, he was sort of credited on it, and he got like mad royalties from it. Well. Relatively mad royalties from it. I mean, it's a niche game. But then when they did like AD and D, he was sort of like scrubbed off it, so he didn't get any royalties for that. I think that's what led to like the lawsuits and whatnot. 
did a version of Blackmore for Goodman Games in 2004 and then Code Monkey have released a 4th edition version in 2009 uh, I was involved in a video documentary about the early history of RPGs I bet that'll take a while to track down inducted into the Academy of Adventure Gaming Arts and Designs Hall of Fame known as the Charles Robert Award in 1984 Never heard of it In <laughs> My was 84 <laughs> I was going to say The Charles S. Robert Awards or CSR Awards was an annual award for excellence in the historical wargaming hobby, named in honour of Charles S. Roberts, the father of wargaming, who founded Avalon Hill. It was informally called a Charlie, and officially called the Charles S. Roberts Awards. The Wargamer magazine called it very prestigious, and it was created at the first Origins Game Convention in 1975. The last year that the award was given was 2012, and a complete list of award winners can be found on Wikipedia. Uh, in 1999, Pyramid magazine named him one of the millennium's most influential people, <laughs> at least in the realm of adventure gaming. Get out. There's, there's nothing like picking someone up to like cut their legs out from underneath them, is there? Oh yeah, you're one of the most, the Millennium's most influential people. Well, at least in uh, adventure games. That's like going like, oh my god, you're one of the richest men in the street. <laughs> also been awarded the Order of the Stick from Dort Tower. And... Is, is it wrong that I find that more impressive? Well, yeah. Um... <laughs> D&D Online created an item called Mantle of the World Shaper that's a reward for finishing a particular chess quest chain that's narrated by Arneson. Let me say that again in English. So D&D Online added a special item that you could win if you finished a quest called the Threnel Quest Chain that's, narrate, that's narrated by Arneson. Why am I saying it like that? I don't know, but what's, what's a Thrinell? That's what I want to know. I don't know. Um, yeah, so... The I don't have a fat lot of D&D... Uh, so the mantle's description reads, A comforting and inspiring presence surrounds you as you hold this cloak. Arcane runes run along the edges of the fine cape and masterfully drawn on the silken lining is an incredibly detailed map of a place named Blackmoor. That's how I imagine it's going to be read in the game. I've never played D&D online, but it sounds like something an old wizardly dude would say. I've just realised the cat's been sat next to the microphone licking itself for the last five minutes. Apologies for that, anyone I'll, I'll, that's tell, the, I'll tell the listeners it was you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've, we've found that a bit, bit about D&D. 
Is there anything more we could find out about him and his sort of like more general, like not specifically associated with D and D? Um. <laughs> okay, so Anna's taken me quite literally, and <laughs> she's typing into uh, into Google, "What did Dave Arneson do that wasn't D and D?" You know, don't, don't be around the bush. Ah, oh, the fact you typed in like, "What did he do apart from D and D?" and immediately the search is like. Why did Dave Arneson and Gary Gygax fall out during D&D? Yeah. Okay. I do think it's a bit unfortunate in a way, to be perfectly yeah, honest. Yeah, to be honest, it, it's kind of sad because that seems to be everything that's like... Yeah, and I know that, I know this one of the points of like doing this, uh, this sort of month of podcasts is that people are trying to sort of get away from that a bit, but it does seem like... So I've done a bit of research myself... It does seem that like every other article you find is just sort of like, oh, let's retell and retread the same old ground that uh, why Gygax and Arneson fell out. And I know we've sort of touched on it briefly, but there's like hundreds of like articles and blog posts and stuff all retreading the same old ground. And it's like, when do you get to that point when there's like there's, there's nothing more to be like ringed out of the same old story that that. Unfortunately, yeah, it's the, kind of bleak. This stuff happens. I mean, the the thing I find a bit annoying is like the the pendulum sort of tends to either swing in one direction or the other. There's no balance. It's like so. Uh, originally, like no one talked about Arneson at all, so people are now looking at him, and now like a lot of people have decided Arneson was like terribly mistreated. or wasn't Gygax like a horrible person because he's obviously the villain of this piece. Because like, obviously not everybody, but a lot of people don't seem to appreciate the fact that like. Oh, they were just like two guys, you know, just like two two guys with like all the same like flaws, the same positives and negatives that anyone could have. They had a bit of a falling out. Th- things got a little bit bitter over money, which let's face it, it, it's what causes a lot of problems in the world, and it just sort of spiraled out of control from there. And that's really all you can say about it. Well, that's all I'm going to say about it anyway. Okay, so Hannah's now looking on Thrift Books uh, at Books by Dave Arneson. Like I see we've got... Ooh, uh, Shadow Run. Oh, DNA, DOA by Dave Arneson. What's a book overview? So, oh, no synopsis available. That's bloody useful. Yeah, well, it's second-hand D&D books. Look, you can't expect too much. Okay, so on this page we've got some of the original Dungeons and Dragons we've got Blackmore the Wizard's Cabal uh, which is out of stock obviously the original Dungeons and Dragons is out of stock on this site Dave Arneson's Blackmore which I think is 3 3.5 and that's on here for like $167 $167 there is not enough Blackmore in the world to make me want to spend that much money on it Go on, let's take a look on eBay. What's this stuff going for? Oh, I should have to think, man. Because I bet it's all collector's stuff now. Uh-huh. Well. And you know what it's what like? the Ratchet books were going for when people were talking about his stuff more. That's it. <laughs> okay, so Hannah's gone on to eBay and she's typing in Dave Anderson in the search box. Oh, that, right, no, it's just that one place was... That, uh, that's more like it, Blackmore, <laughs> £40. Yeah, look, Dindy 3.0, yeah. 3.5, the D20 version. I do remember seeing a copy of that in a, 
our local gaming store, Spirit Games, get a cheeky plug in there for Phil. I do remember seeing that. I, I vaguely remember flicking through it like back in the day, mm-hmm. and it didn't really grab me because obviously at the time I was like, oh, it's, a, it's just a bit of a generic fantasy game, sort of like setting, but I suppose that's unfair since if it was the setting that a lot of other fantasy games are based on, well, it would yeah. seem quite generic now, wouldn't it? Because like yeah. so much, so many other books have done things like similar. It'd be like me reading like Lord of the Rings and going like, "Fuck, elves and dwarves." Fuck, can you have a book that elves and dwarves? Yeah. But I do think it, it's it's a bit of a testament to 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 the man that the fact that they're still sort of releasing his stuff. They're still doing like remakes of his campaign setting, which, given that, if you listen to some people, like his name was nary a whisper in like the role playing community up until a few years ago, was like well, that they were still like re-releasing his setting for like three point zero. There was stuff around that he sort of had his fingers in like earlier than that. So, I, I, I'm not sure how accurate the whole sort of like oh he was. It was erased from history, like someone had quantum leaped into like the history of D and D and just like erased him. It it just doesn't ring true for me, to be honest. I'm not saying he gets like he got the big ups that like Gary Gygax got, but he's obviously not vanished entirely. See, the thing is, when you get a group of people working on stuff like this, one of them is going to be more charismatic, and that person is going to be the one that gets the acknowledgement from like the bigger audience no matter how much each each person's put into it i mean look at the beatles john lennon was like worshipped <laughs> look at queen freddie mercury carried them yeah and that's it, true it, everybody puts in but one person is going to get more acknowledged as like the leader well, the, and the fact is, they are kind of carrying them because it's their personality that's out there all the time. Well, the the way I've heard it expressed by like other people who've been talking about it is, in the sort of duo, like Arneson was like a great ideas man, but it was Gygax who sort of like knew how to like write that stuff down like in a way people could understand it and market it. So, like you say, he was obviously like the business face yeah. of the company, and. Um, like said, and obviously therefore that, everybody's going to remember him as the business face of that company. Yeah, because obviously he kept up with TSR and whatever. It was Guy Gag sort of like pushing the game for a long old time before he got got foisted out of TSR and sort of had to do his own thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I suppose you're right. It is only natural that people remember him. So I think we've probably rambled on for long enough about Dave Arneson. Now... Yeah. Uh, the, the, I don't know what conclusion you've reached. I mean, obviously, feel free to chip in. But the way it seems to me is he, he was a guy who had some great ideas. He, he got together with someone else who was good at marketing those ideas. They created this amazing sort of product, uh, this Dungeons and Dragons, based on war games they'd, they'd played before and they'd adapted and they'd sort of tuned down so you played your own character and they developed between the two of them through various means they honestly had a lot of the ideas Guy Gax marketed it while putting his own ideas in they had a falling out over money Arneson sort of went his own way did his own thing for a bit and sort of like didn't get as many sort of 
many props as a Gygax, but neither did he like vanish entirely from history. And I think, to be honest, given the fact that if you cut out a lot of us sort of rambling, it's probably taking you less than 20 minutes to find out all that about Arneson from knowing nothing about him, just by a quick Google search. I think if he had vanished from history, it wouldn't be that easy to find information about him. And it does make me wonder that when people are saying, like, oh, you, no, one, no one ever used to speak Arneson's name, was that just because it was like back in the day where like information was more difficult to get hold of? And let's face it, it before like the internet or whatever, if it wasn't like on a book down at your local library or your store or whatever, where are you going to get that information from? Whereas now, one of the benefits of the internet... I, I know our local library wasn't stocking information on like biographies of obscure writers of RPGs. Exactly. We were lucky if they were stocking anything of RPGs, even the fight, fighting fantasy well, well, it's books. Like, you know, you bought me that copy of that um, fantasy wargaming by Martin Hackett. Yeah. Part, part of the reason I, I love that book so much because it was the one book on RPGs that like, the library used to have in when I was younger. Yeah. And it, it wasn't really about RPGs, it's, it was about wargames. Which is sort of appropriate given that Arneson developed, helped develop D&D from a sort of war game sort of background. But, and obviously there's many more people on the internet who know a lot more about this than me. Um, all of the other anchorites are putting out episodes pretty much about Arneson. And some of them have got a vast depth of knowledge that I just don't have. Because, to be honest for me, it's not important to drill down to that level of detail... I'm happy with knowing what I know about Arneson and Gygax. Obviously, we owe them a great debt in terms of the hobby for that they created, basically. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here podcasting about it. Had I wouldn't have worked in a local game shop, we might never have met. Who knows? We're talking about alternate timelines here. But certainly things would have been very different. I mean, I'm sure RPGs would have been developed in some form or other eventually. But it wouldn't have been in the form we know now. So I do think we owe... Gygax and Arneson. So, adapt. cheers to Gygax and Arneson. Pretty much. And with those sage words from Hannah, I think that's where we're going to close the episode out here. So if you've got any thoughts on this, if you want to chat to me about it, disagree with me, whatever, drop me an email at reddicediaries at gmail.com or you can leave me a voicemail message on Anchor. I really do enjoy listening to those voicemails. And I think it's a big part of what makes Anchor Podcasts different and special compared to others. So, until I see you next time, take care on whatever game you're playing. Enjoy yourselves. That's it from me and from Anna. Take care. Night.